to our study this morning in the book of Judges. And we are moving right along into Judges chapter 13. We come to uh, one of the judges that we know a lot about, because there's a lot more written about him than any other judge, and that's uh, Samson. And most people, if you were to say, uh, who was Samson? And, and I think even people that aren't real familiar with the Bible, they would say he was a strong man. And he was one of these guys that had superhuman strength. And he's sort of the incredible Hulk of the Old Testament, I guess, is what you'd say. But um, he's also a man of, of paradoxical behavior in that he was a man that was very strong and yet could be very morally weak at the same time. And as we go through the life of Samson, you find out that he was a man that, that in many ways was, again, he was God's man and God had his hand upon him, but in many ways, Samson, though he, he knew the code by which he should live by, he didn't operate in that realm of conduct. And often you would find Samson as these, you know, he was super strong, he could defeat the enemy, but then he'd be defeated by the simplest of things and the things that really were coming out of his own heart in that it was a heart not fully given to obedience with the Lord. And yet, we discover with Samson, like Jephthah, last week we, we talked about Jephthah, and he's mentioned in the book of Hebrews. And he's mentioned in that great hall of faith, uh, in that same verse. And so, uh, in the New Testament, we know in God's perspective of Samson, he was a man of faith. And in many ways, Samson ends his life in victory although it was not pleasant for him we'll get to that eventually when we go through the story of Samson I want to read chapter 13 there's 25 verses and I we won't comment on all of them this morning but I thought it would be important to read the chapter this deals with the birth of Samson before we even read let's open in prayer God we begin again to open up your word thank you Lord for it Thank you for the instruction you give us. Thank you for these historical examples, men like Samson and others, and, and Lord, we are grateful. And we pray you'd help us today to follow Christ, to walk in obedience by faith. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Judges chapter 13, verse 1. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore... Please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the the day of his death. 
Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again, and she was sitting in the field, as she was sitting in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah rose and followed his wife, and when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass, that what will be the boy's rule of life and his work? And so the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I have commanded her, let her observe. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, that your words come to pass, and we may honor you? And when the angel of the Lord said to him, and then, excuse me, the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven and from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. Wow. Powerful text here this morning because it deals with circumstances surrounding the birth of Samson and really even the conception of Samson as we we look at this. And as I said, Samson, uh, in this just introductory message in this, um, his origin really is unique in that uh, his mother, as the Bible says, was barren. She had no children. And she wasn't going to have children until God opened her womb on that. And you can imagine the heartache and hardship that was on that married couple Uh, She and her husband, as they were uh, probably wanting a family and did not have a family at that point. And you can imagine what that would have been like um, to struggle with that. We know also in verse 1 that it was again a time where Israel had departed from the Lord. And they were back for 40 years, wandering around again in their own land this time, but not serving God. They were serving idols. And remember, the the whole theme of the book of Judges, I mean, it's a historical book, and it covers a a, a time frame of about 400 years, and it covers these leaders who were raised up by God, and when they were, you know, basically the, the ones that were to lead Israel out of sin and deliver them from 
their enemy. And, and they would do that. And then it would seem like they would be walking with God for a season. And then that generation to follow would go right back to serving idols and departing from the knowledge of the truth. And then pretty soon they were enslaved again to their enemy. And God, they would call out to God and he would raise up another leader. In this case, it's interesting because the leader in which they're going to raise uh, or come, comes into to play here doesn't come into the whole fight right away. Instead, comes in as a baby. And it's interesting in that I see the, the sort of picture here or a type in Samson in that his birth was miraculous or his conception was in that way. Uh, now it was it involved a human father and human mother, um, different than the birth of Jesus, which only had a mother, um, and the Holy Spirit having been able to uh, have Mary conceive miraculously, uh, a little different there. But nevertheless, Jesus doesn't go to the cross right out of the the cradle of Bethlehem, does he? It would be a period of about thirty years by the time that Jesus would go and he would give himself on the cross and there die for our sins, uh, suffer and die, being buried and then raised again on the third day, victorious over those things. With Samson, there are some analogies to that. He was going to be a great deliverer and God was his strength, but Samson was a man and it would take a long time before he would get to that place where he could go out and fight the Philistines. Nevertheless, God was at work. And I might just throw that out today in that God has been at work in your life and in my life to get you here this morning. Now you might say, well, no, I just woke up this morning, decided I'm going to come here. You know, that was on me. But I will tell you this, that often the circumstances around our lives, sometimes years before, get us to the place we are right now and right today or some other time of your life. And we see that with God. He was at work when it was dark. And the word Samson or the name Samson has the idea of, uh, it could be sort of like one who is of the sun in the sense S-U-N or one who brings light. And I think about that because God was going to take a dark time in the history of Israel and he was going to bring a light to them. And it would be through this judge named Samson. We read a little bit about him. Some of the things about the birth of Samson and his announcement of his birth, we see that. And in verse um, 22, I have it here. Uh, that's because I'm, okay, there we go. This is, uh, where am I here? There we go. This verse right here. <clears throat> it says, Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, in other words, the tribe of Dan, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And then it goes on to say this, that, And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Then it goes on and says, Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink or not to eat anything unclean, for behold... You shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. 
And again, that would be some years from his birth onto the time where he would begin to deliver the Philistines from his people uh, or from them. And we read of that. But this birth comes at the behest of God himself. And you say, what, what do you mean? Well, the Bible identifies the angel of the Lord. The word angel in Hebrew means messenger. The word Lord, as it appears in scripture there to you, uh, capital L-O-R-D, is uh, the name of God, his proper name, uh, Jehovah, or more appropriately pronounced Yahweh. And it, whenever you see capital L-O-R-D in your Old Testament, that's the, the name, the covenant name of God to his people. So this is the messenger of God. And, and we know from the very final verse and from the offering that was given and all of the things and worship that was attributed to this one, that this indeed was God. Actually, in verse 25, that's what Manoah said, that we, he, he said this, um, and I'm not in the right verse, here we go, this one, verse 22, it says, And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. He understood only after the fact, after he after his wife had both spoken and then he himself had spoken and received revelation from this one, that this was not just an angel or a created being, but rather God himself and veiled in glory who had come to him and had spoken these things. The theological term is theophany or a Christ, Christophany, a pre-incarnate Christ before he put on flesh, he appears. Because remember, Jesus was his name given by the angel before his birth. And the Jesus identifies the name that he took on when he took on humanity. It means literally God saves, Jehovah saves, Jesus, Yeshua. But the Son has always been. God the Son from eternity past has always existed. And he interjects himself here in the history of Israel in visible form and there in front of Manoah and his wife and receives that. Now this is not unique only to this chapter in the Bible. We read of several other occasions in scripture. Uh, Genesis chapter 16 when Hagar is in the wilderness and we have um, uh, the, the angel of the Lord appearing. Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 and again Genesis chapter 22 and you have the angel of the Lord. And by the way, Jesus comments on that in John chapter 8, verse 58. And he refers, to, I'm not going to read the whole thing there, but he refers to himself, who was living 1,500 years from the time of, um, of Abraham. He refers to himself having seen Abraham and been with Abraham. Read the end of John chapter 8. And he says, before Abraham was, I am. He uses that very... Uh, phrase that and that, by the way the Jews understood that in John chapter 8 also says they took up stones to kill him because he was making himself equal with God that's basically why they were going to do that he was God and is God uh, Genesis 28 Jacob had an encounter there with the angel of the Lord Moses in Exodus 3 and that's the place where Moses asked the name of the Lord and the Lord gives him his name and that appears. Joshua, in Joshua chapter 5. And then here in the book of Judges, we already looked at Judges chapter 6. 
And verses 11 to 24, you have the angel of the Lord who appears to Gideon. And then Samson as well. And we're in that chapter today. And then Isaiah chapter 6, we have an appearance of the Lord in Isaiah 6 in the temple. Um, The three Hebrew children in Daniel chapter 3, they're in the fire and yet there's a fourth one who's with them. One like the Son of Man, the Bible says. God himself going through the fire with them. And then Zechariah also, he appears in Zechariah 1 and in chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter um, 6. And you have those appearances, what we would call a Christophany. You come to the New Testament, and God puts on flesh. That's what the incarnation is all about. The Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory, even as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's how John describes it. Anyways, we have the, the birth of... Uh, of Samson here in, in as pictured, and we know a little bit more about Samson uh, and the miracle associated with that. His mother had been barren, and it would have been something that would have been very exciting to have received that news, but at the same time, there seems to be, like for instance with Manoah, her husband, he doesn't quite believe it. And I like the, the dialogue, we won't go reread it, but you have the angel of the Lord who appears to um, Samson's wife, or excuse me, uh, uh, the wife of Manoah, and he tells her that she's going to conceive. She immediately, after that message, goes to talk to her husband, and the husband kind of says, "Woman, you're crazy." That's, I mean, that's Jack Karen's paraphrase, but that's sort of what he what he says. And, and instead, he says, "Unless I hear it, I, I'm not going to believe it." And so he asks, and you know, again, for the Lord to reveal it to him. And in His grace, God does reveal it to him. But sometimes that's the way we are. We kind of think, oh, you must be out of your mind, right? You've had an encounter with the Lord? Nah, can't be. And uh, I can just say that that was actually the reaction I had of some friends when I became a Christian. Some of them, when I was 18 years old, said, you've lost your mind, you know? You think you've had an encounter with God. My encounter with God is I realized who he was from this book, and I realized he's holy, and I realized I'm not. And I realized I was a sinner and in big trouble with the Holy God. And I finally said, Lord, I understand why you came. You came to save your people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one. And it dawned on me, I needed salvation. And I asked the Lord to forgive me of my sins. And he came into my life at that moment and he began to change me. And there was such a change. I had friends that literally told me, you've lost your mind. You've been brainwashed. And I will say, uh, some of them said it's not going to last. Well, it has. Now, 35 plus years, it has lasted. And that because Christ truly changed me from the inside out. And he's changing me today. It's not a perfect uh, work yet. <laughs> His work will be perfected someday in heaven. But it's, it's, a, it's a daily battle. And it's a daily battle with the old man, this old man in here. But the new man that he's given me comes from him. And we find that sometimes we don't fully understand or appreciate that, that message from God and an encounter with God. Thankfully, he was gracious in my own life to many times have people share the gospel with me. I say many. I could count them on one hand, but there were numerous times that he did that. There are some people in our world that not once in their lifetime will ever hear about the Lord Jesus Christ and about his eternal love 
and his forgiveness because nobody will ever tell them and they live in places in the world and perhaps where they don't have access to that very easily. Think about that because that's part of also the great commission of going and telling. And we see a little bit of that here also in this announcement as we, we go through it. It was an announcement of hope. And in uh, verse 5 there of Judges 13, it says, For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. That was associated with a vow called the Nazarite vow. In Numbers chapter 6, I believe it is, you can read there of the law of the vow of the Nazarite. And part of that was that those that put themselves under that vow, most often it was a willing thing that you would, you would purposely put yourself, and it could be a man or a woman, put yourself under a, a Nazarite vow. And part of that was that you were saying, I'm wholly dedicated to the Lord. And one of the signs of that was they didn't shave their heads. Now, I don't have that privilege of having lots of hair, so I therefore have neglected the Nazarite vow in my own life. But, but it, nevertheless, that was something that, uh, that Samson didn't have much choice in. It was actually something that God said, he will be a Nazarite from his womb. And it was usually something that was reserved for people who were old enough to make that decision, right, and take that vow. And they weren't to have any drink. They weren't to, there were certain things they weren't allowed to do because they were holy to God. And there's a picture there. God wants us. He wants all of us. And he wants us to be wholly given over to him in holiness. All right? And that's part of that vow that was made. It's also a vow that appears elsewhere, um, most likely in it's Acts chapter 18, where Paul, the apostle, takes a vow and that vow was um, associated probably with a Nazarite vow. Uh, it doesn't say it specifically, but it was something that was still uh, done over the years in that. And again, we see the hope that's associated with this promise that God gives. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now think about that. It's a dark time in Israel. They, they're, they're now under the control of the Philistines. And they're enslaved, really. I mean, they're living in the land. They're doing that. But they can't do anything without the Philistines' permission. It's a bad time. And all of a sudden, there's hope that there'll be a deliverer. And again, it's not going to happen right away. It's going to be years of growing up before Samson would be in that position to be a leader. But that's the hope that God gave. And, and by the way, I would just park myself on that for a moment. This book gives you hope if you'll read it. If you don't read it, you'll have no hope and you'll be, whatever, you know, depressed. Because everything that I listen to out there and listen to the news and everything else is very depressing, isn't it? It's a dark world. And it's getting worse, I hate to say it. And if I just left it there, we'd all just say, ah, what's worth living, you know? But let me tell you something. This book tells us there's hope beyond this world, hope beyond the darkest times of this world historically. There's hope beyond the grave. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. Amen. And it's found in the person of Jesus Christ who gives us that hope. And he's victorious over all those things. Some of that hope has not materialized yet in your life. If you're a Christian, a believer that hope will be realized in fullness at his presence in heaven. 
through death or through rapture, you will be in his presence, brought there immediately, and, and our hope will be realized. Until then, we hope. When, when you're actually in the presence of God, there isn't that aspect of hope. I mean, we'll actually be there. You're not hoping to be there. You're there. I've read this book, and in the end, we win. It's great, because he won, and he wins. And I'm so thankful for that. Samson's birth was what gave hope to a nation that was in darkness. We read a little bit more about the arrangements of his birth. I already mentioned this. It was a miracle. She, she was barren, Manoah's wife, and she couldn't conceive. And then God says, you're going to conceive. And I like that. And it just shows again that God is able to take those things which are barren and bring fruit from barrenness. He's able to take that which was a mouth of cursing that cursed the Lord's name and make that mouth a mouth of blessing to bless the Lord's name. I say that personally, but I know that of some of you as well. God can do that. He can take that which was a barren place where no spiritual activity took place except dark things and bring it into the light and make it right and make it used for him. He's able to do that. And I'm glad for that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the mighty, the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. And I would just throw in Manoah and his wife. God would take the, the family in the tribe of Dan, the least of the tribes, and he would take them and he would use them to bring out of that family a great deliverer. Isn't it wonderful? And we could say much more on that as well. That's God's way. And, and that's always God's way. He did that with, remember, Sarah and Abraham. You see it. Um, I think of you know that same promise that was given in the time when Moses was born and Pharaoh was having all the babies killed, all the male children killed, and yet God brings a Moses into the picture. And not only does he survive, he becomes a leader and eventually leads his people out of Egypt. Or Hannah, Elkanah, and, and Samuel when he was born, a prophet. And God would begin speaking again to his people. And then, of course, the story of Joseph and Mary out of a virgin's womb. Conception? How could that be? And yet, we know from the scriptures that's exactly what took place. God would enter into the human race and yet not have that original sin nature passed on that we all have. And now I'm glad for that. We need such a Savior. It involved a mandate. We read this, but... The mandate was that he was to be a Nazarite. And again, we see that. And there are other instances in Scripture. Uh, we, I believe in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, we see Samuel. He most likely had the Nazarite vow, verse 11. And John the Baptist, he was very similar in that um, and his descriptions and with those things. The Nazarite vow on those things. And he was... Um, to be unto the Lord. In other words, he was separated for something, not just separated. There's a difference. It was to be unto the Lord. And 
There are people that take vows and they do that, but it's a separation from the world, a separation from themselves, whatever, a separation. But the great thing about Christ is this, that if you separate yourself from something like sin, he wants us to put on something too, which is righteousness. He never leaves his children naked. <laughs> we like to just, you know, act funny and we think that being, you know, holy is locking ourselves up in a monastery or a cave or something like that. And, and the reality is that's not ever how he wanted his people to be. He wanted us to be in the world, but not of the world. We are separated onto him, not just from everything. Make sure you know that and you practice that as well. He was to be separated onto the Lord from the womb and to do that. And it involved ministry, this birth, because that baby would someday grow up to be a man. And when he was full grown, he would trained to fight and he would be hardened in battle and he would go out and he would fight that involved a lot and it involved a great amount of preparation years and again samson was not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination later on he would he would miserably fail in certain areas but in many ways he was successful also there's a measure of that in his life and when we think about that that really reflected carefully his upbringing, his parents, and all the things that they put into him. And though he didn't, as a young man, follow all the things he knew he should follow, he did eventually come to the realization who God was in his life. And we see that. Well, lastly, we see the accomplishment of Samson's birth in this. His birth was realized. In other words, it was, went from a promise to an actual event that would take place. And we read that of in Acts, uh, excuse me, Judges chapter um, 13 and verses 24 and 25. I didn't read these when we read down through the chapter. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And again, the, 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 the title Samson means sunny, like the sun. That's literally what it means in Hebrew. And he was a bright light in a dark world, Right? And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. Aren't you glad the Lord blesses? He blesses in spite of who we were and our families and our past and everything else. He blesses. God is good that way. He blessed him. I think it's important that we bring up our children in the admonition, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I mean that. Both those things to go together. Nurturing but also admonition. Admonition is telling them how they ought to live and showing that and patterning it, but the nurture aspect is that healthy home environment of love, of discipline also, and all the other things that go with parenting. And there are no perfect parents in the world, but, but I can say that if you will open up this book and, and attempt to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it will take seat in their hearts. They may not always follow the Lord, but many of them know where they came from. And that's part of our obligation as parents, to do that. If you have that influence in your life, do it. The Lord blessed him, it says. And I'm glad for that, because without the Lord's blessing on Samson's life, he would just be another strong man, come and go. That's it. Who would eventually go and, and just end up that way. Um, and then it says, The Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him, at Mahane, Dan, which means the camp of Dan, between Zorah and Eshtael. 
And we find here the Spirit of God coming to, to spur him on. And may I just throw this out by way of thought, is that apart from the Lord and apart from the Holy Spirit working in our life, we can do nothing for God, really. You can do a lot of things in the flesh. I mean, people can come up here and you know stand if you want to do that and open up the Bible and explain things and all that. And, and that's the product you could do in the flesh, but it has a marvelous effect of doing nothing long term. And pretty soon you'll notice error will come in, all kinds of different things like that. But anything we do just in the flesh, it doesn't really have that lasting power because it's only in the flesh. But see, as the Spirit of God moves, and that's what it says, began to move upon him, the word means to propel or impel, to push. And that's how God is. He's able to take that which should never have even come into existence, right? Samson was a product of a couple who had a barren life, and yet God allowed um, Manoah's wife to conceive, and, and she has this son. And then God begins to compel him and push him forward. Sometimes we need that little push, don't we? And sometimes we need a big push. It reminds us that God was at work. And he began to move this vessel known as Samson to a place where he could use him for his service. You know, the greatest ability, now we might say, what, are, what were Samson's greatest abilities? I think number one would be his strength. We know that. We, I, we'll, we'll explain more about that. He had amazing strength. Um, he, could, he could kill a thousand people just like that. You know, I mean, that's the way he was and not even break a sweat. A great warrior. But he was also a man that, if he didn't follow the Lord, became very weak. But our greatest ability isn't our strength, physical strength. Um, it's not our, even our moral strength in that. It's, it's not other attributes, you know. Uh, if you think you have great good looks, okay, good. But wait a while and those things go away, all right? Your chest sinks into your drawers, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, but I say that because, listen, we have these strengths in our youth and all that, but apart from God working in our life, they mean nothing later on. Our greatest ability is really availability. Are you available today as a young person for the Lord? Are you available in your middle years or your older years? Are you available for Him? Isaiah 6, I like that chapter and, and we'll read it real quick here and then close. This also was a dark time in Israel. A terrible dark time. And a good king who had done a lot of good things dies a leprous death. It's, it's horrible. You read of that in the Chronicles. First, uh, and, and first verse of Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. In spite of earthly failures, even among kings, God still is on the throne, just so you know that. I told you I wouldn't comment on this. It's so hard. All right. High and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Three holies there. I believe that's God the Father's holy, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is holy. All three. And the posts of the door were shaken 
by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Here's Isaiah. He has a a direct encounter with God. He sees them high and lifted up, and he immediately knows that he's not holy, (laughs) but God is holy. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken off with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Picture of of holiness, of purging from sin. Look what he goes on. Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Singular. And who will go for us? Plural. You see that? The triune God involved in a commissioning of Isaiah. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I love this this statement of Isaiah. Then I said, here am I, send me. Are you available for the Lord? Samson was available for the Lord uh, from his, really from the womb. His parents prepared him for that. And yet, it's arguable, arguable that Really, the only time Samson was truly given over to the Lord was at the end of his life. And we'll eventually, Lord willing, get to that in a future message. It shouldn't be that way. Serve the Lord today while it is still day. Serve the Lord while you still have that opportunity and breath in your lungs. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful again for your word and for the challenge. And Lord, we thank you for preparing us to even be here today and i pray oh god you'd work your work in people's lives here stirring faith and understanding of 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 that strength that you offer and the salvation you offer and i pray oh god we would be vessels of honor fit for the master's use we ask this all in jesus name amen